This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very excited for you guys to be with us today. Yeah, it's the new year. Yeah, happy new year to everybody who's listening. And um, so this week we're going to be doing uh, uh, cognac. We're going to do cognac. Yeah, we're really excited, you know, celebrating the new year with you guys. I hope everyone's having a good one so far. And we're going to be actually uh, two weeks. Because last week you guys got to listen to a great episode with Marie. And having uh, some great Seattle beers from Fremont Brewing. That's right. Yeah, it was really good to have her on the show. And... um, again and just have a great chat about some of her favorite beers that she just sadly had to leave they're really good yeah um so and we'd have to go all the way to colorado to get some yeah that's a be a road trip and maybe that's something that you and mom can do coming up here with the road trip maybe um but we did a blind and we blinded you dad no that's right and what did you call it i thought it was a pale ale it was very very tasty uh, sort of hop forward, but man, what was it, Josh? Well, so this we did, we gave you another fresh hop ale. So it was the Couchy Canyon Fresh Hop Ale from uh, from Fremont Brewing again. Oh yeah, yeah. So well, it's that's a, hop forward <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, they on their website they talk about exactly what hops are in it, and but it's you know it comes out at sixty one IBUs and um, it is six percent. ABV, so yeah, good job. But you know, I'll uh, I think we, I think we can give it to you. All right, well, I'll <laughs> take it. Give you that one because you know it was pretty much a, a IPA or a pale ale kind of, yeah, kinda feel. exactly. All right, well, awesome. So we're gonna we're getting into some cognac this week, and uh, Dad, what are you, what are you gonna be doing this week? Cavier, very special. Okay. What are you doing, Josh? So you're gonna be doing the Cavassier, the VS of the Cavassier, right? And I'm doing the Mar. Martel uh, VS as well. So a single distillery fine VS cognac. And, and what about for your food? So I have some smoked Gouda. I have some stuffed Baby Bella mushrooms. And they're stuffed with artichoke and spinach and cheese. And then I have a uh, Ghirardelli Intense Dark Chocolate. It's 86%. So there'll be some bittering with that. Ooh, that'll be good. And- well, Hope that goes well with the cognac. Oh, yeah. I'm planning for it, too. Cool. And then I've got some Dubliner cheese again. Some of that, you know, good cow milk cheese. I have some pork belly that I marinated and sous vide in honey, balsamic vinegar, garlic, and blood oranges since it's finally blood orange season. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. And then I've got some graham crackers covered in dark chocolate and topped with some sea salt. All right. So it should be pretty good. Um. Well, Dad, let's uh, go ahead and start with the Cavassier. Well, have you noticed the color? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> just just so you guys know, my dad and I are going to be drinking out of two different glasses today. Uh, check it out on the Instagram. We've got some pretty cool brandy sniffers going on. First of all, we're we're going to be drinking these out of the brandy sniffer. You know the the proper bowl shape that's going to give us the great closing up of aromas with it coming up to the top. And I actually have a Pakistani marble snifter that I'm going to be drinking out of today, which is uh, which was a gift from my good friend um, that my good friend Jordan got, and it's definitely allowing us to use today. And actually, the star ones are her crystal as well. Oh, they look beautiful. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, check and, it out on the Instagram. And if you don't cool. have a cognac glass and and you don't feel like going out and buying one just for this occasion, 
You could use your your beer tulip glass. Mm-hmm. I think that would work fine. Yeah, short. I would use a short tulip. Yeah, if you had a shorter, you know, the shortest one you have mm-hmm. would be fine. Yeah, and you could you could also drink this out of the out of a Glencairn glass or just out of a a, a highball glass. Um, but one other thing the brandy snifter does is it allows for more oxygen exposure to kind of release a lot of those aromatics and then intensifies them by having a smaller enclosure where everything comes out. And it just, it feels good in your hand to have a yeah. brandy snifter. So I'm not a real brandy person, so I might be a little nervous on this. But, you know, a lot of people that do this, they have their own special tasting method. And so what I did is I went out and I found a nine-step procedure. Oh, wow. Here's the engineer coming out, Josh. <laughs> yep, I don't know. This, Here this we go. This is definitely the engineer. Here we go. Let's well, obviously, the first step is, is to pick your cognac. That's really, you know, maybe that's tough for you. There's different levels. There's VS, which is very special, which is the least aged. And then there's VSO, which is very special old pale, which has a minimum of four years on it. And then there's XO, and it's a minimum of 10 years. So, you know, pick your poison. Second thing is the glass, and we already talked about the glass. Now, the next thing you want to do, you got to pour it into the glass. That's simple. Oh, he's counting those as steps. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going right through it, Josh. Okay. All right, now, you know, one of the things that I've never known about, I've seen it on TV, is you're supposed to warm it up. So you hold the glass in your hand. You know, I've seen that. Like, you know, the iconic, you know, brandy pouring a glass. Somebody has got a lighter and warms up the crystal or the glass to warm up the brandy. I didn't know that was, you know, kind of a proper tradition. It, it apparently is. And we'll go on even down the list. And, and the next thing you do is you look at it. And what they're showing is looking at it over something that's white. So you can see that color coming through on your background that it's sitting on. So what are and, you seeing? Because I can't really do that with my glass. Well, of course I'm seeing the light coming through it, but I see that beautiful golden brown, if you will, gold color, yeah. and I see it on my white paper. Yeah, it's so, definitely like a deep amber. You know, kind of looking at his glass, it's a kind of reminds me. Now, about what it. it says is it gives you a rough indication of the age. So oh, okay. this is pretty light that I see. Mm-hmm. I assume with the XO, you're going to see a darker uh, reflection. Okay. All right, now we're down to smelling it, Josh. Now you got to be careful because there is a lot of alcohol here. Mine is forty percent, and I assume yours is very close to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm getting a lot of fruit nose. I'm getting a lot of cherry. And it's going to sound really weird, but brandy cherries. Kind of what it makes me think of, you know, from the cocktail, you know, from a well, cocktail bar. Maybe, you know, maybe so. I don't, I haven't distinguished what fruit I'm getting. Almost like some rhubarb in there too, that bitter, that kind of woodsy, oh, really? okay. woodsy bitter sweet. So then the next thing you do is you swirl it. And that kind of gives you a, uh, the effect of releasing the different aromas. So now you smell it again. So we should have different aromas. Getting a lot of it. Like, uh, this time so it a seems bit more. softer now. Yeah. Did you like notice that? Honey. A little bit more honey. Vanilla. Yeah, I'm getting that honey sweetness. Almond. That's what I'm smelling. I'm smelling That's, like almond. Oh, yeah. I think you're right I on that. I put my finger on it. 
you know, like once, almond extract. You know, it's it's strange. We all smell the same thing, and then finally, when somebody says almond, it's like bingo. That's it. Well, the last step, we're down to number nine, Josh. We could taste it if we wanted to. Well, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to too. Another benefit of these glasses is you can get your nose in it, so you can get the full effect. That tastes very much like honey to me. There is some honey sweetness. It reminds me of like clover, specifically clover honey. Here in Arkansas, we have a lot of clover honey, which is kind of some of the, when we have local honey, it's usually clover honey. And it's kind of reminding me of that, that like florally sweet, lightly sugary, but it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel like honey on the palate. It just kind of has that aroma. So the clover comes out in the springtime, but I'm getting uh, the smell of other spring flowers. Uh, I don't know that it's honeysuckle because that's that's more a summer and honeysuckle's real intense. This is not very intense. No, it's really nice. It's really nice. It's got a light little burn to it. Not as burning as I was expecting just from the nose. But you're get, I'm still getting some of those fruit, that almondy yeah. honey that we were talking about with the with on the nose of it. Yeah, I it think I'm getting really some cool. vanilla yeah. along with it. I don't know. For me, it's just really cool to be, to be drinking, you know, brandy out of a snifter. I, so have I'm, you used those glasses before? So Josh? we, Jordan and I have, have drank out of these glasses before, but we've used, we've really just done wine or we've even done some sparkling wine out of it. Well, you know, this Maybe starts as wine. Too. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a few steps back from where we are right um but it's really cool you know these are these are really really pretty glasses and talking about like the color and the look of the cognac itself you know you said it was crystal clear you can see through it i can see like the grains of the marble Mm -hmm. through the glass and it just has a beautiful amber um amber color or almost like you can get a picture of that amethyst yeah or almost like amethyst like the stone amethyst or Mm -hmm. like topaz Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a really really beautiful, beautiful looking. It's a great tasting. I actually have never had Cavassier by itself. Well, I haven't either. I've never drank it straight. Well, and on this website, of course, they have the French seventy five. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, French seventy five. I didn't know we, you know, we may talk about this during cocktail episode next week, but Sazeracs were originally with cognac. Okay, you know, coming from New Orleans, a French. You know, New Orleans with its French history, you know, brought over cognac. But, right. So, Dad, did you know that, like, cognac goes back all the way to the 1600s? Well, this this particular one was in 18-something. And one of the things that they claim to fame of this particular one, on the bottle itself, on the front, mm-hmm. it says, Le Cognac de Napoleon. Cognac of Napoleon. That's right. And then on the back, it says, uh, throughout history, Cavossier has always been synonymous with superior quality. Legend has it that Napoleon even took with him hundreds of bottles to enjoy during his exile. Yeah, I've heard. So Napoleon, Napoleon was a big alcohol drinker. He loved brandy, loved cognac, 
He also loved champagne. Yes. Champagne was another one of his big things. You know, the whole story about how sabering started was, you know, Napoleon's guys couldn't get in the weight wait so long to get in their champagne the normal way. So they would take out their hip sabers and just knock off the top of the bottle. Yeah. Get into it. I'm sure they did that with the cognac too. Uh, Somebody sabered some bottle out of my patio one time and, and and there was glass everywhere. Yeah. And I've done it on his patio other times and it has not exploded. That's right. I mean, it's it's definitely an art to it. Right, Josh? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a a technique to it. You gotta hit it just right. You have, you have to be, you can't you can't be trying to play the big guy. You gotta you know pay attention to what you're doing. Otherwise, you right. know, it will blow up in your hand. So <laughs> this particular VS cognac, and I said it was the least age, and it has aged between three and seven years. Yeah, because one of the big things with brandy is blending. That's right, and that's it. I was gonna say that, but that's all right. Go ahead. Well, so you know. We uh, we'll get into the process of how it's done, but you know brandies are aged for you know long long amounts of time, but then they're blended together kind of like champagne cuvées are blended together to create a house style or a house mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. taste, and the aging distinction kind of like my dad said, hawk is so that you know the youngest brandy that's in the bottle. There can be older. But there can't be any younger. So, like you said, with this, with both of these, they're VSs. So the the youngest cognac in there is two years, but the oldest could be a lot older. That's right. But they're saying three to seven. So I guess they mean the youngest is three. And then it says four to eight for Russia. Oh, weird. It is weird, but oh. that's that's what their website does. So I guess in Russia. They expect it to be aged longer. Yeah. I want, so, well, I wonder if the, the naming requirements are different. Because when, when I was looking up, when I was doing my research, you know, it talked about this product comes from France. It comes from the Cognac region of France. The VS in the aging, the aging um, levels didn't really come in until the 1800s. And they were in English, you know, they're all in English, they're not in French. So, so that people, mostly in Britain, could understand the different levels of cognac that they were drinking. Right. So you, we can talk about how it's made. Sure. How is it made? Well, you know, first thing, they got to take care. They got to have really nice soil. Uh, and they, des- they describe... A master blender personally selects the 200-year-old oak trees for their different barrels. So that's, you know, that's special. Yeah, so Cognac is a is an AOC or an AOP protected region of France, which means there are very strict guidelines of laws of how it's made and it's really tightly regulated. You know, so one of the things is it, it has to come from the Cognac region. And the Cognac regions, for those of you wine people, are kind of or if you've kind of been following along, start making maps in your head. Cognac is just northeast of Bordeaux. And they made white wine there. It wasn't as good as the Bordeaux Bordeaux wines. And so they had to figure out something else to do with all these grapes and all the wine that they would made. And though because they were also exporting, their wine was doing well in in the Netherlands or with the Dutch. 
and Dutch were making gin, they decided to start distilling it. This is a wine-based product. Um, yeah, that's Grand Champagne, Petite Champagne, Bordeaux, and Vins Boris. Yeah, so those are the subregions of cognac, and then they all have they all have requirements for how much has to come in to be labeled. Now, mine is not is not labeled a Grand Champagne or a Petit Champagne. It's not even, it doesn't even have any kind of appellation besides Cognac. So it just comes from wherever. Um, I bet yours at the VS level doesn't have any of that either. No, it doesn't either. It just says product of France. Yeah, and so the, the Grand Champagne or the Petit Champagne doesn't actually have anything to do with the Champagne region, the Champagne method. It's just kind of how they started to classify those greater regions. That the, that the wine would come from. Now, so it says, too, there's only six legally recognized crews or areas in that Champagne region where you can grow these grapes for the cognac. Yeah. And those are all kind of within there. And, you know, mostly this is made from a grape called Uni Blanc, which you may have never heard of before. But if you're an Italian wine fan or a northern Italian wine fan, you may have heard of Tribbiano. Tribbiano and Uni Blanc are the same thing just in different countries. So to be a crew cognac, uh, the mix of the wine has to be 90% Uni Blanc, and then 10% can come from a host of one, two, eight different grapes, including Simeon, Forgina, Juricon Blanc, and you know there's a whole list of them. Now non-crew, non-crew can come from 90% of Columbard, uh, Follet Blanche, uh, Jericon Blanche and uh, Uni Blanc. And then the other 10% come from either like Folion or Select. And there's a couple others that can go in that 90, the non-crew 90%. Now, is yours, a, is yours labeled a crew, a crew cognac? It is. And one of the things that also I learned is that they just distill on the lees. Oh, they let it sit on the leaves? Yes. So I think that's a, a special technique that they they have and maybe they only have. I think that's kind of what's adding some of that almondy flavor to it. Well, maybe. And then the final product is separated into three parts. Now, this is the wine that has been di- double distilled. It comes in three parts. That part is called the head, the heart, and the tail. You've heard that before. I heard it when I was in in Scotland. Yeah. And I... <laughs> and you you see the the men that are women that are testing uh, the liquid as it comes out. It all looked quite clear, totally clear to me. Mm-hmm. But what it is is the head has more of the uh, of the higher it has a higher boiling point because of the alcohols so it has more aldehyde ethyl aldehyde ethyl acetylene okay so it's got more of this alcohol product that you really probably don't want to be drinking right it's the it's the stuff that will rip your face off and well yeah it's probably bathtub gin level stuff well that might be and then the heart is the desired middle alcohol. So it's 
by this time it's gotten much smoother and I can't say it's much clearer but I think it's much less uh, infected with the product that's this boiling of the of the uh, acetylene yeah because when you're distilling there's ethyl. there's different alcohols in the mash that you're using and they have different boiling points or they have different points of where they'll they'll come off and i think it's i think it's ethyl i think it's ethanol that comes out first with the head so you know you said oh my first place i heard this was scotland my first place I heard this was Moonshiner on uh, the TV. On oh, the, the TV, TV show. show? Yeah, because yeah. they talk because okay. when they're doing the same thing, they they when stuff starts condensing out, they taste it and like oh, that's so gasoliney. That's that's the hair. Well, there's the head, and then they'll have to you know they kind of taste it every once in a while, and then it it comes out to where it's it's not so alcohol or. Uh, Ethyl alcohol, right. because that's the stuff that hand sanitizer and uh, exactly. rubbing alcohol are made of. So they're waiting for it to get to this this particular alcohol level, well, and, and that's the, that's when it turns into the heart. Well, and then the tail has the fused oil, has a much higher fused oil percent, mm. and less alcohol in that run. Right. So clearly you want the good alcohol. Yeah. And clearly, you don't want all these uh, ethyl acetylenes and all these other distillants that come from the alcohol that right. we wouldn't want to drink. Yeah. They, Unless you're a moonshiner, and then you're going well, to no, drink they, any of that. They let, no, they let, they let that stuff go. I you know. know. But that's the, the, that's, the gut, that's the, you know, that's the gut rot. Yeah, the rot that's gut. The, gut. the rot gut stuff. The, right. You know, just burning through vodka kind of you know breathe fire right breathe fire tastes like gasoline so i something that was interesting that i i noticed uh which go ahead go ahead and get into the cheese pairing dad while i'm saying this because i've been snacking on it it's really good all right Um, you've done the gouda yeah something that i found interesting so even the even the stills are regulated so they use a a particular type and a particular design of still called a a Charliantis copper amblyonetic still. And the amblyonetic still are the two-piece stills kind of that we've seen. You've got the pot. Mm-hmm. You've got your pot with the kind of long, the long neck that goes into something else where it condenses. Mm-hmm. But the design and the dimension are actually legally controlled. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's that big. I didn't go down to see like how many you know, kind of leaders or whatever still you could have. But so these houses like Cavassier, Hennessy, and probably Martin, um, probably Martel, like me, like uh, that I'm having, make so much cognac. Mm. They have to have so many stills running because there's old, there's a legal size of the still. It can't be any bigger, can't be smaller. Right. There's probably a range of it. But, you know. Well, so they're running stills and they're blending all this stuff together, which is kind of crazy to me. So they probably have to have multiple distilleries running, you know, for, that Cavazier owns. So back to the, the head, the heart, and the tail. Picture on their website shows a guy with a glass. And I know these uh, brewers are tasting that liquor as it comes out. Mm-hmm. When we're in Scotland... 
you could see you could see where that liquid came out but it's behind this copper box with a glass front that's totally locked up yeah and there was only one person that had the key that master distiller and the and then the the people that come and tax the liquor mm-hmm. had a key but one of the interesting stories and this is a sidebar not really cognac, but it's, okay. it's a sidebar, <laughs> is that those boxes used to be open. The workers were given an allotment Okay. every day. Oh. And so they'd go get their allotment. Well, what started happening, and I, I wish I, I could go on the web and find it, but it was like this peg-shaped tube, and I'm doing my hands that it's like a foot long, and... They would take their little tube, fill it up, and I don't know how many ounces that little tube would be, probably right. 10 maybe, or 8, and then they'd put that in their pants <laughs> and walk at home peg-legged. <laughs> oh, maybe that's where, well, couldn't, I know, besides the pirate, but maybe that's also where the, the term peg-leg comes <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, back, back to the barrels, uh, you know, I found it quite interesting that they actually hand pick these oak barrels yeah the oak tree for the barrels and i found that uh interesting when we went to the the baseball back factory too they did the same thing yeah and you know part of the regulations i think there's only like two different types of french oak trees that you can use to make Mm -hmm. cognac and the main one is limousine limousine oak there's been some some scott I don't know if there's anybody that used specifically cognac barrels because they use them for quite a long time. But I think there are some there are some distilleries, like whiskey distilleries, that will buy old buy old cognac barrels mm-hmm. and then use them for their whiskey. Now I don't think it's really I've never seen it done in wine. Um, well, on this website they they have a sherry cognac, so they're apparently using a sherry sherry cask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what'd you get on that uh, Gouda? So it was really, it was really nice because the the nuttiness of the Gouda and the creaminess of the Gouda, like, took like calmed the alcohol down and the nuttiness uh, paired really well with the almond and gave me that like sweet cream kind of feel that you got from the like from the five farms, yeah. you know that kind of sweet cream alcohol thing you get. Yeah, I kind of got that from it. Uh, what about you? What I got is basically the same thing, Josh, because, you know, Gouda's Gouda. But what it did is it, to me, that nuttiness of the Gouda enhanced the, the uh, almond such that I got more almond taste with the cognac when I was eating the cheese. So the, the nut and the nut went together. Yeah. And like you said, the, the, I'm surprised with the creaminess of cognac. I've never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that, you know... You know, when we talk about this pairings, if you've been with us long enough, you're start, like, I hope you're starting to pick up on some of these themes. Like, creaminess, like, kind of brings down alcohol. You know, kind of high alcohol. It'll bring it, it'll calm it down. It kind of pairs well with it. I'm really interested to see. So tell me again about the mushroom cap. So it's uh, store-bought. It's stuffed. It's a, they call it a baby bella, which is a... Portobello. Baby portobello mushroom. Yeah. So, but it has artichoke. It has spinach. A group of cheeses. It didn't say what they are, but there's white cheese in there. 
I hadn't tried it yet. Have you tried tried it? I'm going for it right now. The earthiness right. of the mushroom really comes. Yeah, through. I'm sure that would bring out some things in the in the cognac. Yeah. Well, and ooh. yeah, so that earthiness really kind of lifts up the cognac. So you guys have heard me talk about taste in like musical notes, and I think of like chords. You know, you want a bottom note, a middle note, a top note kind of thing. That earthiness of the mushroom brings a kind of bottom meaty note to the cognac. The cheese hits the high note. The nuttiness of the cognac and that sweetness kind of play all really well together and kind of make a really, a really fantastic bite and a great pairing. You know, it kind of makes sense because in and around this region in France, if I'm remembering right, we also, you also find truffles. So yes. you get that really big earthy umami bomb that kind of enhances like umami is one of those things that I would say is missing from the cognac itself. And that mushroom earthiness really brings that umami to the, to the table, which I think goes really well. What do you think? I think the same thing. There was a lot of sweetness with the cheese and the spinach, but that mushroom gave that earthiness. And I was, while you were talking, I was looking here trying to figure out what kind of soil the ground is where they grow this and I didn't find it. Well, with it being with it being uni and kind of where it is thinking about where it is from France, it's probably a little bit of clay. Well, probably the, a little bit more clay and um stone and like kind of rock. Yes. I think it's going to be a little bit more of that just based on kind of the alluvial plains and everything kind of that I know from Bordeaux. So this is so close to Bordeaux and the part of Bordeaux that I'm thinking of you know, I think it's going to be a little bit more of that kind of gravelly rock, maybe with some clay kind of mixed in. So I think you're exactly right, because on the on the website here, there's a, a photo or a video of a, of a man, and he's reaching in the soil, and it is rocky, mm-hmm. almost sandy loam. Okay, maybe more style. sandy loam. Yeah. yeah, I don't see the clay, but yeah. Yeah, that and would make sense use with white. 800 vine growers to ensure these grapes will be the finest in the region so right the soil is going to be different different places <laughs> of yeah. these 800 so who is cavassier who are they owned by so there's a lot there's a lot of like large groups that own cognac brands like we've talked about when we talked about the moet chandon we talked about the lvmh group the louis vuitton moet chandon the louis vuitton moet hennessy group so i know they own hennessy Perard, uh, Pinard Fernot owns Martinel now, but anyway, I I know there, there's a lot of there's a lot of big names that own cognac brands as part of their. So of the, the owner is Beam Suntory. Sun from Suntory Whiskey is it Japanese? That's the the Suntory Whiskey uh, yes. guy. Which we're gonna have to do Japanese whiskeys at one of point. Osaka, so Japan. Japan. Okay. So the, the so it's part of the Suntory group now. Yes. Which is really cool because uh, it must it couldn't have been that way forever. Well, of course not. <laughs> have you ever had Suntory have you ever had Suntory whiskey? I've had a stuff? Japanese whiskey. I don't know that it's Suntory in Okay. Anyway, their stuff's really, really good. But it kinda makes sense that they're that they're going into this distilled market because A, they could use the barrel for their for their whiskey, but you know, it's a good brand to have. I mean, Cavassier is extremely well known. Yes, especially in the United States. So, is 
If I say a brandy or a cognac, we said it's a cognac. So, so is a cognac a brandy or is a brandy a cognac? It's like a rectangle. It's like a rectangle <laughs> in a square. Okay. So if, if a, it's a, a rectangle is a square, but a square is not always a rectangle, right? Right. Okay. So a cognac is a specific type of brandy. So all cognacs are brandy, but not all brandies are cognac. So brandy is brandy is a group of distilled liquors that are made in a particular way from particular things. That that makes a brandy, but cognac has to you know cognac since it's being protected like champagne has to come from a particular region and follow all the local laws and and guidelines. But so the price point on this is very reasonable. I don't know exact price uh, that Joanne paid for it. But it's probably in the thirty dollar range, mm-hmm. and then the VSOP would be, you know, forty to 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 maybe a hundred. I don't know, depending on how many years. I don't think these are year stamped. Well, the V, the, but the VSO is older. It tells so that's that's the thing about those age de- the not the age designation what they call it the grades right. They tell you kind of the, the youngest age in the cognac. And that was kind of their purpose. Right. And then the XO is going to be a minimum of 100. Probably in Arkansas, no. it's probably more than that. Uh, well, it might, the XO yeah. might be. I don't know. For, the, for Cavassier branded. Right. So you need to try the chocolate. So first of all, <laughs> for those of you, if you don't like dark chocolate, like if you absolutely don't like dark chocolate, Please don't do this pairing. <laughs> well, just I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it as somebody who doesn't like extreme dark chocolate. If you don't like dark chocolate at all, I would highly suggest staying away from this pairing because this cacao. What is it? Ninety six? Okay. Is it ninety eighty six? I didn't pick the ninety two. <laughs> <laughs> this chocolate I- is extremely bitter, and for me, it's hard to get through that. So try it with a, I definitely say try it with dark chocolate. Try it with a high, with a, with a good dark chocolate. If you don't like dark chocolate, if you like dark chocolate, definitely hit this up. Hit that 82, that 92% because it's, it's, it's extremely interesting to me. So do you pair it or you just take the chocolate? No, I I did it. I'm just going to have to get a second taste of the brandy. Sorry, the cognac. So here's what happened to me. To hit my palate. And this is what I wanted to happen. This is, I'm, I'm happy with this pairing. You get that really bitter chocolate taste. So first you put the chocolate in your mouth and you either suck on it, chew it, whatever you're going to do with that kind of chocolate. If you chew on it, you're going to get amazing bittering in your whole mouth. Whew. But then take that cognac. And give it a good swig and let it coat like that chocolate's coated. And for me, here's what happened. The bittering went away. It went away. Maybe not all of it, but what happened was I put the cognac with it and I got this wonderful, sweet taste of chocolate as if it was Hershey's 
milk chocolate. Oh, almost. no, no, okay, no, no, mil- no, no. All right, no. not milk chocolate, no. but it, maybe it wasn't all the way to Hershey's. <laughs> it was sweet, much sweeter chocolate. I, I agree. The, the, the cognac and the sweetness and that honey and the almondy does coat your mouth and really does bring down that bitter, that bittering flavor. Maybe for you, it takes it to what you taste milk chocolate like. No, to me, I was, I was, I was <laughs> seeing if you were listening. Of course, I it was. didn't go I all the way listen. to. Well, when I went, when I went to buy this chocolate, I, I got the mushroom cap set at the closest grocery store, which is Edwards to us, and you know I was happy with that. Mm. I got the cheese, and all they had was Hershey's milk chocolate, and I said, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> so I, I went over to Walgreens. Good. Walgreens has a really Good selection of dark chocolate with the high cocoa. And so that's why I got this. Yeah. I agree. This cognac really does like that, that bittering. Like, does like that bitter of the chocolate. It does really well with it. I don't think it would go well with a milk chocolate. No. I think that may not play well. But that's why I was talking about if you don't like dark chocolate, don't get a high a cacao level as this one. Get a good dark chocolate that's in your wheelhouse that's, you know, I think what dark chocolate stocks at like 68% or something like that. I can't remember where it goes from I don't know where it's dark. dark. But get, get, get a good dark chocolate. Like get, a Ghirardelli, get a Ghirardelli dark chocolate or some good brand dark chocolate. And then try this pairing. But if you like dark chocolate, definitely go for the high a cacao because I think ex- you'll find kind of exactly what Dad, what you talked about is that that differing and how it really does play on that bitterness of the dark chocolate. That's what happened, yeah. The sweetness of the cognac and the bittering of the chocolate, and chocolate's got sweetness with it. Right. But all of a sudden, that bittering went away, and, the, and you get the sweetness and the cognac sweetness. You know, it makes me wonder how it would taste with, like, bitter green. You know, we talk, we talk, we're right around New Year's here. So, you know, you got your, you got your New Year's traditions of like collards and ham hock. But I wonder how brandy or cognac would do with those bitter, bitter greens mm-hmm. like collards mm-hmm. or chard or kale. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that would pairing would work. So, the last thing I have here is uh, a list of uh, cocktails. And of course, the Friends 75 is right there. A sherry Manhattan with cognac. Interesting. Okay. A sidecar. Yep. With Konya. Midnight in Paris. <laughs> what's in that one? That's uh, interesting. So what's what's in that one? Well, I'll have to click here and find out. And then uh, a sparkling cognac. Look up some. Look up some. Uh, drink it straight. <laughs> but if you if you want to put it into put it into a cocktail there's many to choose from i guess to me cognac is a fantastic cocktail liquor i i think it's something that if you are big into if you are big into cocktails or you're trying to build a home bar where you can where you can drink stuff straight or make cocktails definitely make a space for a bottle of cognac i would not really go with like a vsop because you don't need the expense the price goes up there but a good vs if you're gonna definitely. mix it, you don't need a BOP. Yeah, definitely get a good VS in, in your in your repertoire because with, with that said good. though, Midnight in Paris is two and a half parts of VSOP, ginger ale, 
half an orange slice. Huh. So it's going to be light and, yeah, you know. Kind of refreshing with the yeah, bite. Right. Yeah, well, you have any questions? No, I, I really don't. So we're ready to kind of switch over here? Yeah, all right, I'm ready. I've still got lots of cognac left. <laughs> and I, some of that chocolate. I don't. <laughs> well, uh, you've, been, you've been talking a lot this time, so that's why you still got a bunch of cognac left. But, you know, we could pour more into with this one, but the, Mar- the Martell, we can't, because as you'll notice in the Instagram picture, we, we, killed, we killed the bottle on this one. So, so, once, we, so we each have like a, a half of 750 milliliter? No. There, <laughs> <laughs> there were only five ounces left in, the, in my, the bottle I had. So, so talking about cocktails, that's actually a great transition. So I bought this bottle, not this, Chris, not this last 2020 Christmas, at 2019 Christmas, I helped host a, a Christmas party for a group of friends of mine, and I did cocktails. I kind of did cocktails throughout the night, and one of them was a French 75, but this Martel VS mm. was the cognac that I used with my French 75. So, I, I mean, we, we talked about this in the, in the cocktail podcast when mom was talking. You know, I prefer a French 75 with a cognac or a brandy mm-hmm. over over gin you know a little bit more traditional and <laughs> kind right. of but it's just kind of the way i like it but um so this one is so we're we're doing the martel uh vs single distillery fine cognac and the pairings we have with it are some dubliner cheese some dark chocolate um or some graham cracker covered in dark chocolate with sea salt and then a blood orange Honey, balsamic vinegar, pork belly. That sounds really good. And I know <laughs> that you were even making fun of you were even making fun of me. No, I wasn't making fun. I well, just, you uh, were making fun of me. You, <laughs> you were making fun. We've had pork belly. You were making fun of me. This, yeah, you were rem, you were reminding me in a making fun of me fashion <laughs> that I've been doing pork belly a lot. You know, part of it is because I think pork belly is absolutely delicious, but also. When I was doing research, it kept coming up that pork belly goes really well, and I knew you were doing mushrooms, so I wanted to do another kind of protein. Right. Duck is ridiculously expensive right now. Right. So I decided to do... Any duck hunters out there? <sighs> is, it duck season? is it duck season yet? It's been duck season. Oh, okay. There's like three different ones. Oh, okay. I like deer season. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so duck, duck hunters, we love duck. Just if you do it, don't take off all that lovely fat. Right. <laughs> because that's one of the things that makes duck absolutely delicious. Anyway. I ain't going to clean it for you, Josh. So the whole hill. Okay, it's going to be a well, dead duck. That they, no, you're actually, in the head. <laughs> every time I've gotten duck from a duck hunter, it's just body and carcass. So yeah. skin and everything has been taken off. Okay. And I was talking to Charlie. Yeah. Hart, duck he's hunter. He's a hunter? Yeah, he's a huge duck hunter. All right. So I was talking to him about it. And I was like, oh, Charlie, how, like, how, do you, how do you prepare your ducks after doing it? And he told me the process. I was like, Charlie, you need to figure out a way to leave the skin and that fat on because the skin and the fat is some of the best part of ducks and why it's really coveted in the culinary world. And he's like, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't even know that because he'd been doing it for so long the same way where he would just, you know, get in rather than, you know, taking the time to pluck and leave the skin. He just had a process where he would take off the whole skin and, every, and feathers and everything. So and just I, leave the meat on the carpet. I have to throw this story in, Josh. Okay. So when, yeah, I was in Chi- when I was in China, 
back in 95-ish. We, we had the final meal for the, for the group of meetings, and we had Peking duck. Oh, it's on my bucket list to eat. So, you know, we're, we're having a great time. He's they're slicing that duck off, you know, putting it on our plate. Yep. Well, they get down to the real meat, and they take it away. Yeah. Cause, cause <laughs> so, so basically, yep. basically, you're getting the fat and the meat, and that's what you eat. Yep. And when you get down to nothing but the meat, it's like... Oh, they take that back to the kitchen. Well, maybe they take soup. that back to the kitchen, and they... <laughs> Eat it themselves, yeah. <laughs> or like you said, make duck soup. Yeah, do something else with it. But yeah, that that duck fat is it's it's to be for. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. You know. Anyway, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get into this cognac. So Martel, Martel cognac is one of the old boys from from cognac region. Whenever I was doing some research in cognac, Martel kept coming up as one of the ones that's been there forever, and or been there for a, a long, long time. And when I went and looked up. You know, they, they really pride themselves on having been, been making cognac for over 300 years. So that puts them back in the 1700, 1700s when they started making cognac. This was 828. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, That's still way back there. Yeah, and you know, so because this is an AOC-protected region, a lot, you know, the processes of making this are the same, you know. It's got to use, you got to use particular grades. It's got to be done in a double way. It has to be double distilled. Has to be in French oak barrels for two years, minimum, if not longer. And so, like I said, 1715 is kind of when Martel Cognac kind of got going. They really focus on this small batch, smaller batch hand produced. And that's why when I talk about this, I say that it's a single distillery. So, talked a little bit about, well, I kind of made mention to it when we talked about like Cavassier in how the stills are actually regulated. So there could be multiple distilleries that are making all this and right. aging it, and then they blend it together. Well, this one is actually coming from a single distillery. Oh, okay. So that kind of, in my head, that kind of makes it, makes it a little bit more special in how they are really working, trying to hone down the craft and really keep it Keep it to that uh, more artisanal product. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really cool, kind of when I when I was going through it. So, what are you seeing in the color, Dad? Since I'm not well, since, I did I'm the still sa- drinking I, out of marble. I did the same thing that we talked about, and I put put my glass on my white paper. I get a slightly lighter color. Okay, I'm not sure why. I mean. To the naked eye, they look the same. Right. But it looks slightly lighter, like I said, on the white paper. Yeah. But I suspect they're, you know, they're aged about the same. Yeah, they're both VS, so the, right. so the youngest cognac in it is two years. And, you know, they don't, they're not like Cavassier. They don't really have, well, it's between this and this, you know, since they're blending for a particular style that allows them to kind of, Bring older stuff if they need to. So is the ABV forty? Yes, it is. I think most. I think most cognacs come out when they're distributed at at about forty percent. They now when they distill it, it comes out about seventy percent. Right. And that aging process lowers the lowers that. Percentage. What a terrible job that would be! Put your glass underneath <laughs> the 
the head or the heart or the <laughs> tail and taking a sip out of that. Wow, most barrel time strength. Gonna, yeah, most time we're gonna spit it out. So I'm getting a lot of alcohol in the nose. Yeah. This one is presenting a little to, bit more alcohol. But they're both the same. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. So I'm getting on the on the nose of this as you're as we're going through the, the process. I'm getting a little bit more like like uh, the nuttiness of cheese quality. You know, as as the Cavassier, you know, presented itself as we kind of got into it a little bit more almondy. This reminds me of the nuttiness of cheese rather than the nuttiness of a nut. If that makes sense. Right. I'm not getting those uh, spring flowers or the clover. Are you getting? There's some. You getting some? I'm getting a floridity, um, but it's more. It's way back there. Yeah, and it's more along the lines of like perfume or potpourri, whereas it's not quite as fresh flower, kind of like we were getting from the Cavassier. To me, this smells more developed, like more put together. Than the Cavassier. The Cavassier would note and note and note and note. And this is kind of giving me a whole bunch of stuff put together that I'm having to kind of parse out. I don't I don't know about you, but that's just kind of how I'm. So I took a little taste, and this tastes more creamy to me. More okay. mouth coating. Yeah. I don't get a lot of that floridity that, that you're getting. Well, I don't get the I'm, almonds for sure. Yeah. The almonds aren't there. So this is kind of reminding me of like some of the like drier tree fruits, like plums, apricot, mm. like other fruit. So try smelling it with your mouth open. So this is a this is a taster trick. Yeah. If you kind of want to get, if you're having a hard time getting some aroma from something, try try smelling and breathing through your nose with your mouth open. That way, you know, that air is now going over your palate and you can kind of pick up some extra stuff. And I'm getting a little bit more of that fruit when I open my mouth. I and do kind of too. Taste it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it's not as fruit forward as the, as the Cavassier. Though. Right. And that's kind of why I'm saying it's, it feels a little bit more complex than the Cavassier. Well, you used the word develop. Oh. So I'm, I'm struggling with that word. Because so, they're probably of the same age. They've been in the same kind of cast. The only difference is, as you said, is the one um, grower. Well, it, the one distillery, but it's also the blending is different. Clearly the blending's so key they, to both of them. So they may be taking some older cognacs. They may be taking stuff over seven, eight, seven, eight years and putting that into putting that into this to create that to create that developed style well, whereas Cavassier says well we only have three to seven or Russia four to eight right. this this doesn't say that so there's they could be pulling from older barrel aged cognac to to develop well, this house they style could, they could be but that would be cutting off some of the VSO or the XO it could be so what did you say the price point of the Cavassier was about 30 about 30 so this is a 35 to 40 Okay. So bringing that in, like that is something that could happen. We don't know. This is just us pontificating because we're tasting. Podcast-ating? <laughs> Pod- podcasting. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that our new, that's our new word, podcastificating. We're oh podcastificating God. now. Oh, no. <laughs> David, anyway. will, David will quote us in Nashville. <laughs> he 
<laughs> probably he probably will. I talked to him last night, so he, he yeah. he's really enjoying it. But yeah, podcastification. I think that I'm gonna bring that up to up to the boys. But anyway, it, so this doesn't present itself to me more than the Cabossier. They're both very very good. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm not. Yeah. You're not saying it's not. I'm not saying Cavassi is not good and this is fantastic. I'm saying it, what it, how, it, how it's coming to me as a taster yeah. is very different. It, and the reason I say it feels more developed is when I'm thinking it, when my brain tastes, I think about the wine that I've tasted. Right. And when something is more developed, it's usually a little bit older. It's had more time to come together, be more harmonious. And that's right. why I think something, that's why I kind of said more developed. Mm-hmm. You know, cognac doesn't work, doesn't really work that way. Right. Besides the, the age of stuff in the barrel. So which, uh, which are we going to start with? I think, your pairings? I think we'll cheese? go cheese, pork, chocolate. That's what I would guess. Now, what cheese is this? So this is the Dubliner cheese, the same type of cheese that we used in the uh, Holiday Sippers podcast. Okay. Um, and so it's, a, it's an Irish cheddar-ish style from cow's milk. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have a good nutty, full-body flavor, but oh, not be overly sharp. No, it's very nutty. I'm rem- sure it's going to go very well. I remember we talked about it had a good fat content, but it's really crumbly. It's not quite as smoothy, creamy as the Gouda. Now I'm getting some uh, nuttiness out of the cognac. Yeah. This is a very nutty cheese. It really is. It's so good. So the nuttiness level came up. The creaminess level of the cognac went down. The sweetness went down because that nuttiness kind of offset it. Yeah. So what'd you get? So I'm going to taste it again. I don't think there's... Oh, darn. got to taste it again. <laughs> you know, I, got, I can eat more cheese. It's going to kill me. Now, what about the acidity? So, to me, this kind of pr- prickling the alcohol on my tongue a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's because the cheese also has a little bit more salt. A little bit okay. more saltiness to mm-hmm. it. It is kind of enhancing that nutty flavor and kind of bringing that out a little bit more. Um, it kind of takes the fruit away from it. Not in a bad way. Um, it just replaces it with more of a nutty, nutty characteristic mm-hmm. to me. Now, you said tree fruit. Or tree nuts. Tree fruit. Did you say tree fruit or tree yeah. nuts? I was talking about tree fruit, like plums. Oh, apple, okay. Like drier, like plums, apricots. Okay. Not as potent as like peaches or pears. or. So are they coming out with the cheese? No, it, brings, get, it, huh? it, it actually brings the fruitiness down a little bit, right. in my opinion. But it brings that nutty, that cheese nuttiness, aged cheese flavor forward a little bit you know it kind of makes me think i wonder how this would taste with like a a stilton like a really funky blue cheese that's got that creamy quality Ooh. and that funk to it um, go, do i have any of that <laughs> refrigerator? I, it kind of makes it kind of makes me wonder if that would be something good um because i know cheese and i know that kind of cheese and sherry goes well together oh yeah and thinking about some of the qualities there so where i was headed with the tree fruit or the tree nuts rather I'm sort of getting a like a black walnut taste hmm. with it. See, I've never had black walnut. I've only had black walnut bitters in cocktails, so I don't really know that flavor. Oh, okay, okay. What is that? What is that flavor kind of like? 
I know it's black <laughs> walnut. It's, it's like what? What is a banana kind of like? Uh, tomato? No. Okay. <laughs> so compare black walnut to walnuts and almonds. well, an English walnut and a black walnut. The black walnut is is much more earthy tasting. Okay. And so, if we try to compare it to a pecan, okay, it's a whole lot more earthy than a pecan. Okay. And a and back to the almond, a whole lot earthy, earthier than the almond. So, so it's kind of it, like I'm the, getting a lot of earth out of it. So okay. what, what, yeah. what's really happening, right? Yeah. So you have that earthiness and that um, walnuts to me have like a a, a meaty quality. Oh, they do. As but so does a pecan. Well, yeah, but kind of like talking, you know, almonds. Almonds are don't really have that much meaty quality to me. Mm. Pecans do, mm. but walnuts have more. Right. And it has kind of that earthy, meaty. Uh, oh. What? I wonder how it's going to go with your mushroom cap. I'm sure it would go excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, go ahead. You, I know you've got a little bit left in your plate. Go ahead and give that a try. Because, you know, we're talking about that earthy, meaty quality that's not meat. And that's exactly what a mushroom is. That it's mushrooms have earthy, meaty quality. And then that cheese will have that little bit of fat to it. I wonder, I bet that's going to go good. I bet that's going to go pretty well. I, I mean, I forced him to taste his mushroom. You didn't force my arm back <laughs> I did. I, twi- my... I twisted his arm. I, I he, twisted... just put, he just put a mushroom cap twi- on my plate. <laughs> I twisted his arm behind his back really hard, everybody. Like I, I made, I forced him to do. I'm glad we did it. Why? Why was it? Well, that, like you said, the the mushroom has that earthiness to it. Yeah, and the cheese, you know, the cheese didn't do anything more special than this nutty cheese. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a sweet cheese, so right. I just got a more sweet flavor, but yeah, the mushroom brought some of that earth out. Okay. So now I'm it, not sure why you forced me to take it and you didn't eat one well, yourself because you like mushrooms more than I do. <laughs> so, so me and my cocktail head now thinks, oh, if I have black walnut bitters in my in my bar, you that, might want to try that, that. Could be something that those two could I could start thinking of a cocktail now that has cognac in it that has the, these black walnut bitters that earthy. So, what cocktail you make with black walnut bitters? So, I've had I've had a champagne cocktail with black walnut bitters that was really good. Yeah. So rather than just Angostura bitters, uh, using black walnut bitters in there um, brought an earthy quality to it. That's okay. the main one that All I've right. had. I've had it at a couple. I've had it at a couple other bars, but that's the one that sticks out in my head. Okay, that would be good. Yeah, I'm moving to the going to pork butt. Yeah, going to the pork belly. Belly. Sorry, <laughs> not a pork butt. <laughs> so once again, this pork belly. It, so it came. It came fully cooked. Came fully cooked, and then I just vacuum sealed it with some, some honey, uh, balsamic vinegar, blood orange juice, and garlic. Mm. And kind of cooked it in my sous vide just to kind of bring the flavors into it, and then I seared it off. So I think that kind of sweet, bitter quality is going to go really well. And then just the porky, fatty loveliness. God, it's delicious. The fattiness of that pork belly and the sweetness of this cognac. Oh man! <laughs> and that slight sweet bitterness from the orange and the balsamic vinegar. Oh yeah, just by itself, it's delicious. All right, listeners, we're <laughs> we're gonna turn it off for a while. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come back <laughs> after we go buy another bottle of cognac. <laughs>
Oh, that's good, John. That brings up that sweetness, that sweetness level. It plays more into that apricot citrusy kind of flavorness. I'm kind of getting like, maybe those bacon wrapped so dates. You said we ap- apricot. Was uh-huh. there apricot in there? No. So in the- apricot is one of those, the drier tree fruits that I was mm, talking about. Okay. That was in the cognac. But you remember those bacon wrapped dates we get? Yeah, we had them there the night so, <laughs> for New Year's Eve. So without the almond in them, right? that, that sweet, fruity, Day, meaty, just the date itself. fatness is kind of what I'm, I'm getting. It's reminding me that this pairing is reminding me of. Okay. Because they have that like sweet, earthy taste with the date and that porky fatty. Well, I think if you had that blue cheese that goes in there. As well, that, <laughs> that would do it too. <laughs> so, if anybody's working for the pantry and listening to this, if you have a customer that gets the bacon wrapped dates, offer them some cognac and see it because I think that'd be a great. Oh, I'm gonna try that going there, or a cognac, or a cognac cocktail even. Well, tell us more about this distillery, Josh. So, like I said, they're they're an older distillery. They've been there. They've been around since the 1700s, and they focus on kind of the smaller distillery distillery feel. Even though they've grown to be a larger producer, they have really kind of just really tried to stay true to what they've what they've been doing. Like mm-hmm. they didn't even make a VSOP until the 1800s. Oh. So they they stuck true with just the little the little bit that they were doing. They were one of the ones that kind of put out did a lot of marketing as they're moving forward. Well, again, that's one of those situations where the VSOP has to be in the barrel much longer. So if you're trying to get yourself going, right, your feet on the ground, you know, like we talk about Rocktown, yeah, or any other distiller. You want to do the the short barrel time first to kind of get yourself going and get your process going and get some money going. <laughs> yeah. And then you can go into the longer age stuff. Right. So kind of in a little do bit. Do they have an XO? I, I think I'm pretty sure they do. I have okay. to go back and look really quick. But, you know, something really cool. So the at the coronation of King George II of England in 1911, this cognac was served. Oh, really? At the yeah, at the the What's piece. What's the cognac of the White House? <laughs> probably Hennessy. <laughs> I don't know. It's there's probably not a cognac. It's probably it's probably an American brandy. Being really honest, so during the peace negotiations at the end of World War One, this cognac was served. So they do a lot of. They've been around for a long time. They do they do a lot of exporting. And it's been it was kind of really cool to see how ensconced in, you know, British and American history that this that this cognac's been around. It's been served at international diplomacy dinners. It's been served all over the place. One thing that's interesting that they do is they have a cognac beverage that they sell. It's called the Martinelle Blue Swift. Oh, really? And what they do is they take their VSOP brandy and then they finish it in a bourbon barrel. 
Oh, yeah? So, it's not actually, I don't think it's actually considered a cognac. But, you know, they've been distributing in the United States, or they've been selling to the United States since, you know, the 1780s. Mm-hmm. And so now they're taking their VSOP and finishing it in some bourbon barrels to add that kind of extra bourbony, American-y flair to it, which I thought was, which I thought was really cool. You asked me, do they have a an XO? Well, they do have an XO. They also have an XXO, which is ex- extra extra old, <laughs> yeah. which means the minimum in it is fourteen years old. And then you know, in the cognac designation, there's also or de oh, God, I need to learn French or de age, which means beyond age. So it's just extra stuff that's even better. Than they don't care how old it is, it's darn. Oh no, it it has to it has to be XXO level, but it's even better than XXO. I mean, Cabasier does a bourbon gas. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those. It's becoming it's becoming more Mm -hmm. popular. I think as some of these larger brands, you know, we talked about Martel is owned by uh, Bernard Fernot, yeah, Bernard Fernot, who also owns bourbon companies. We we talked about the Centauri Group. Mm-hmm. They probably own some whiskey or have some relationships with whiskey company with bourbon companies. I know LVMH owns a couple. Pretty sure they own a couple uh, bourbon houses. So it's interesting, you know. Now that we're in the age of we're in the age of like the globalization of pretty much darn near everything. What was the book that you read? What was the book that you read that had to do with globalization? Um, what I don't remember. Oh, was it like the 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 fantastic the worldly travels of a T-shirt or yeah something yeah, something, something like, like that. that? It followed like a white T-shirt and like how it was made and how it like hit four different continents and was just you know absolutely fascinating and how the globalization is. I was really kind of has changed the way we view product right. in and of itself. But anyway, but that's kind of why I still like, you know, the stuff that are done. Single location has to follow the laws. This is a, this is a really, really good cognac. I, I think. What do you think? I think it's really good, too. Now, Cabassier makes a 21-year-old. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I wonder what that costs. <laughs> thousands. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> thousands of dollars. Well, so Remy Martin, another another cognac maker, makes they, what they call they call Louis the Fifteenth. Okay, so it's fifteen year old. No, it's thirteen thousand dollars a bottle, Ooh. and I think it's forty or fifty year old. It's like Johnny Walker Blue, like age wise. Oh, Johnny Walker Blue is just a blended. But it's but Johnny Walker Blue is still what. 40 year old it's all into the 40 year old but but i mean but still it is extremely expensive and extremely extra aged right um, xxo i don't know what xxxo i don't know what hennessy's is so most of the the big boys hennessy cavassier ruby martin mm-hmm. are gonna have these really really old aged cognacs because they have the capital to hold on to. Right. Whereas some of the other brands, 
may not have the ability to hold on to stuff as long because they just don't have the capital. They need to sell and they need to make money and keep their businesses going. It'd be interesting to go to Cognac and see what are the the Cognacs that are there Mm -hmm. that we we don't even get over here because they don't distribute. Right. I bet some of them would taste a whole lot better than this. Tell Tell me about this chocolate covered what cracker graham cracker so did jordan make those no no trader joe's made them oh (laughs) oh man so they need to be our sponsor (laughs) i said no so this is a little treat you know because i I was looking up and i did chocolate and i figured you were going to do chocolate but i want to do something a little different so these are like honey graham crackers Mm -hmm. covered in dark dark chocolate and topped with sea salt yeah. So I figured the salt and all that would kind of help soften um, some of that bitterness of the chocolate. There's not a lot of bitterness with the chocolate. You're right about the sea salt. And I'm getting low on the... <laughs> there ain't no more. No, I know there's no we more. We can't get a so, second pour of this one. No, uh <laughs> So I'm trying to, trying to figure this out. So the, so the chocolate and the salt kind of bring out an abstract of the cognac that we haven't tasted yet it's a sou- sort of a souring taste ooh huh yeah you get it it's the salt it is the salt it's that the does salt. that yeah it brings this like remember those days when people would salt their beer i've salted a beer before well that's <laughs> that's kind of what's going on yeah. here so, but rather than to bring out a sweetness or a fruity characteristic, like you said, this brings out like a, a sour, but it's a good sour. It's not like a bitter, astringent sour. It's like the, it's like the sourness of a sour cherry mm-hmm. or the sourness of, it's not even a citrus sour. That's, it's so hard to describe. It really is. But it's but it's but it's complementing, and that's that's Not the something we have every day. And that's the interesting thing, is it's actually, it's actually complementing everything that's going on in the cognac itself, because the cognac has that bright, nutty sweetness and that sour. It's like it's like you find an Asian food. Mm-hmm. It's that it's almost like a vinegary sour, right? That just enhances everything else that's going on. And is that like cut through that like, oh, that makes me want to put like big sea salt on top of the pork. Oh, and to see what bring that, that does? To bring that sourness oh, through. Because right. right. that fattiness, you know, it kind of, it still wants, to me, it still wants a little bit of that sour, lovely pull through flavor. That's fascinating. That is not what I expected. It's not? It is, no. What did you I, expect? I expected the salt to bring up the like that fruity characteristic. Oh, I did not expect it to take no, that it to happen. that that uh, sharp, sour, almost acidic level. Yours didn't have your cognac didn't have as much fruity as the Cavassier did, Mm-mm. and so there wasn't that much fruity to pull up out of the cognac with that sea salt. But the fat did. But the fat did. The fat brought yeah. out that. The, the pork belly, I caught it. Well, we're, I think we're coming up on our, our favorites. That's fascinating. 
Huh? That's so fat. I'm I'm still fascinated by that. Oh, it's really yeah. by that salt and that salt play. So the cavassier and my pairings. What did you like the best? My favorite was the the gouda. Hmm? The creaminess of that gouda went so well with the with that, and it it kind of took both of them to a new level. It it played on that nuttiness. It, it amplified to me. It amplified that fruit flavor, while keeping, while keeping everything in check. Okay. I mean the 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 mushroom was good, but for me that creaminess. There was something about the creaminess of that gouda. That gouda had cre- yeah. That that was really special. It had some. It brought that creaminess out of the cognac. Yeah. To me, it was it was that was a, that was special. Like there was something about the creaminess of the gouda that that made that cavassier extra special. Yeah. And what about so you? For, well, for me, and I was hoping it would do it, is that really bitter chocolate. Like I said earlier, that really bitter chocolate gives you that bitterness in your mouth. And then the cognac itself just made all that go away mm-hmm. and gave you the sweetness of the chocolate and the sweetness of the cognac. What about your pairings? Man, I don't know. I mean, I'm struggling with that one too, Josh. So, the pork and the would you say it's a toss up? I'd say it's a toss up between the pork and the chocolate. Okay, because they are so. What happens is so different. Mm -hmm. That fat of the pork and the porkiness plays so well with that cognac, rounds everything out, and enhances particular flavors in the cognac. But I think I'm gonna give it to. The dark chocolate sea salt graham cracker because it transformed it. It did. Like it, it, it brought this new flavor that was nowhere in either food, right. in either the food or the drink, right. and just created this experience that I'm still trying to figure out in my head. Yeah. Like it's absolutely fascinating. It's fantastic. So, it's, I'm going to. I'm going to have to go with you on that. I mean, the, the nuttiness of the cheese brought out nuttiness that we hadn't tasted. The pork brought out tastes that were just extraordinary. But that, that chocolate sea salt covered graham cracker was amazing. Yeah. It brought out stuff that we hadn't even expected. Right. That was- it's like an epiphany of... Wow, this, how did this happen? Exactly. Like, kind of makes me want to have, like, sea salt caramels now with that. Yeah. Cognac. Yeah. It's Sunday, so I can't go buy a bottle and try it at home. I'm going to have to wait. No. (laughs) Well, tomorrow's coming up. Are we about ready for a blind? I think we're ready to head to the blind. So, are you ready? I'm ready. We'll get that poured up. Okay. So, once again, to uh, taste the liquors, I am using the Wine and Spirits Education Trust Level 3 Systematic Approach to Tasting Spirits Grid. <laughs> My dad and I were joking during the break that uh, this is not going to take me long because um, it's one of two things. So, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So, this is a crystal, this is a clear wine. There is no, or wine. This I is a clear you would just spirit. Pick one. No, I'm going to go through the entire grid. It's <laughs> okay. good to taste through. This is a clear spirit. Um, I can see all the way through it. There is no haziness or faultiness to it. I can it read is... through it, Josh. Exactly. <laughs> I can see the tree and through the window. I would say that this is a, this is a pale, 
concentration of green. So those of you that know your green liquors are kind of with me already, but it's kind of a pale yellowy green. Yeah. And it's, it's a really pretty, it's a really pretty liquor. What kind of glass are you using, Josh? Once again, I'm tasting this out of a Glencairn glass. Okay. So remember the bulbous with a tall top. On the nose. <laughs> I know exactly what this is, but I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through it anyway because it's good practice. Is is very clean. It's a clean, there's no faultiness to it. It is a very, the aromas are very pronounced of this liquor. I would say there is some, there is an aging process that is done to this, um, but it smells of anise or licorice. And it's quite strong. Having a hard time. Let me see. Yeah, no. Anise, it's it's pumping out anise. There's no really herbaceousness behind it. I guess you could say fennel because it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same. Same thing. Kind of the same. Kind of the same there. Uh, Let me give it a taste. Woo! This is a dry. It's a little bit off dry. There's a little bit bit of sweetness to it. It is quite, it's not as intense on the palate as I was expecting. That may be because I have a little bit of the pork fat hangover on my palate. Okay. But I'd say it's flavor intensity is medium, medium plus. I wouldn't call it fully pronounced based on what I'm tasting. It's pretty intense in my book. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not rough. You know, some liquors are really hot, hard, heavy. Right. Would you describe this as clean? Oh, yeah. It's definitely clean on the palate. It is a warming liquor. There's some good bitterness going on to it. There is definitely a pronounced a pronounced fennel anise flavor to this. Finish on it is pretty short, but it hang, the flavor hangs in your mouth. Um, it doesn't hang in your throat. It, this kind of area is very very aromatic. It's a very I would say it's a simple it's a simple finish because it's a single note that's running through it. Um, it's balanced on basically um, what it's going to be. It is a good quality for what it is. Um, this is absinthe. You're done? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really else that it could be. Green. It's green. It's okay, anise. Josh. It's, 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 pronu- it's pronounced. It's, there's no herbaceousness. There is another green liqueur. Like, I said this to him before we before he turned it back on. I was like, well, this is going to be one or two, one of two things. Because right. there is, well, there are three, there are three liqueurs that I can think of right off the top of my head that are green. Okay. And they're all very distinct flavors. One is fennel, one is herbs, and one is apple yeah. or melon. And so that helped me right away. But this is a, this is a very good representation of this, of this liquor. So once again, this is an absinthe. Because it's, it's, uh, there you have it. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say this is Pernod. Pernod? Mm-hmm. P-E-R-N-O-D. Okay. Pernod or Pernod. All right. There um, you have it. So. Check in next week and find out. Well, not next week because next week is a cocktail episode. Oh, that's right. Uh, so come back at us in two weeks when we do our wine episode after cocktail. But come back for cocktails. Cocktails are always fun. Cocktails are, you know, they're less structured. Dad and I hang out and have cocktails. So, Dad, what are you going to be doing as your cocktail next week? It's called Paris Between the Wars. Oh. 
Perish between the wars. That's going to be interesting. Uh, so don't give us exactly like the measurements and everything, but what are kind of the base spirits in that? Uh, scotch whiskey. Of course. A Campara. Oh, 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 that one. Uh, and that's bunch what... of other stuff. Oh, cool. That's, yeah, that's going to be really cool. That? You yeah, scotch, that? scotch uh, and Campari. That's going to be your, that's going to be a fun one. And then I'm going to be doing. I've a, never had it before. Yeah, that's gonna it's gonna be fun. We'll have to have it, you know, sometime this week to yeah. test it out. Uh, I'm going to be doing a sidecar. Oh, okay. Uh, sidecars are one of my favorite like winter kind of cocktails. Well, um, you're you're out of, you're out of cognac. What are you going to do? Shucks, I'm going to have to go buy another <laughs> bottle of cognac. Oh darn! Well, whatever I, will I do? I have some. I'm going to have to go buy another bottle of cognac. Okay, whatever right, will right, I do? But no, Sidecar is a is a one of the classic cognac cognac based drinks, and uh, it's going to be really fun. It's one of my favorite winter cocktails to have. So, well, um, um, thank you guys for coming in once again. Next week is cocktails. Follow us on the on all the socials on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're Acquired Tastings or Acquired Tasting, uh, depending on how many characters we have. Give us a follow and a like on our on your favorite podcast platform and please try and follow or subscribe to us. We've been kind of watching our numbers and we know we only get tracked on downloads for some reason. So, right. I mean, if you're streaming us, we love that you guys are listening to us. Thank you very much. Uh, but just go ahead and give us a follow. You know, maybe we can get that kind of bump um, to see. We'd love to see how many of you are actually out there listening to us. Talk to us. Reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or even Twitter. You know, we, we love to we love to hang out with you guys. I'm looking forward to next week, and uh, it'll be lots of fun. Cocktails are always fun. Cocktails are fantastic. So once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>